0: Welcome to episode 118 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast.
1: Magic.
0: Magic. I'll introduce you guys in a second. I just want to ask how you're enjoying the season so far. The NHL season we're yes, talking about? the NHL okay. season. Well, no, tell me this, about the seasons I like it. TV shows. All right.
2: Goals, goals, and more goals. I that's,
0: like goals. That's impressive insight. Well, again, I'll introduce you in a second. Uh, okay. I'm Luke Lipinski, by the way. How about you over there? Anything?
3: Uh, me over here, uh, I like the goals as well.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Did you know that goals are up? I'm a big goal guy. Three point one one. Huge gold, gu- gold guy. In fact, I wrote about it today. Okay, well then obviously I was looking at you, but talking to Jamie. I guess I'll just introduce you both. That's okay. Craig Morgan. Who's Hi. Giving me sass forty five seconds sass. into the show, and Jamie Eisner, who's going to follow up with something probably. Who worse, gives you sass
3: ever, at every minute of? The eventually,
0: show. you guys are going to morph into just one one person. I don't know what that would be called. Creamy, Eismorg. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you want to workshop that one again and try again next no, week? No, okay. that's,
0: that's the uh, the beauty of a live podcast, if such a thing exists. So, I mean, all podcasts are live when they're recorded. I'm still hung up on sass. I feel like a schoolgirl over here. I'm giving you sass? That's definitely the quote okay. of the show. There's nothing that's going to beat Craig calling himself a schoolgirl. Goals are up to 3.11 per game through the first uh, week of the season. I know Craig wrote about it, but that doesn't mean I can't still say it to the listeners unless... Are we at the point now where we just tell people if they want to really hear the content of the show, they need to read our
3: stuff? It would be nice if they read it. Well, no. If they want to know what's going to happen in the future, they need to listen to us. Mm -hmm. Because we set the agenda. That's that's a true true statement. Most
0: goals per game since 1996. Although, to be fair, that was over the course of 82 games, and this is over the course of, like, three for each team. But still. Right. Um, We'll see if it lasts. Let's start in Vegas last Mm -hmm. night. Mm -hmm. The first ever... Regular season, meaningful NHL game played in Las Vegas. L- lots of emotions going into that game for a variety of reasons. Craig Morgan was there. Now he's here. So I give you credit for racing back just to do this podcast in, in such a quick turnaround. You were there like twelve hours ago, weren't mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the only praise you'll get from me all season. So I hope you enjoyed it. Well, I cycled home. What was? It's it was a good workout. <laughs> tandem bike, <laughs> one person tandem bike. <laughs> yes. Dave Hest was on the camera yeah. with me Put but, that image in your head. There's no way he would <laughs> pedal, though. He would just sit there with his arms crossed yelling at you to go faster. What was it like? We, we all saw it on TV, but uh, mm. they, <laughs> first of all, you know it's a big deal for the NHL to approve them pushing face-off back basically a half hour. Yeah, it was an hour when it was all said and done. Yeah. I mean that game started at like seven forty five. It was originally slated to start at seven. So for the Coyotes broadcast, because that's was playing Vegas, we essentially did an hour pregame. We usually do a half hour. But uh from what I saw on T V it looks like they handled a it's tough to mix a celebration, which they've been planning for a year with a very delicate matter as well, and it looks like they did a perfect job of it.
2: Yeah, and they t- Gary Bettman said this in a press conference before they even did it. He said, I, I think they're going to strike the proper tone, and it was, it was all about honoring those first responders, the true heroes who who got there on the scene, you know, risked their own lives and saved lives. That that, that was the tenor of the entire event, but it was there were so many elements to it that were powerful. The, the one that struck me the most is when they asked fans to honor 58 seconds of silence, and they, they, they the, the arena just went dark, and you could see the scoreboard in huge numerals, just counting down or counting up the seconds, and it, it, it's obvious. It's an obvious reference to every life that was lost, and it was an incredibly sobering moment.
3: Yeah, it was one of those moments where you know we. we if you watch the news nowadays, there are so many bad things that happen around the world, but sometimes it's tough to put a loss of life mm-hmm. in perspective with just the number. And I think that just the. It felt like forever. Those 58 seconds felt like a really long did. time. and It's it really, amazing how, yes, how, how big that 58 number really yeah, is. Yeah, and right? it kind of put that in perspective. You see the number. I mean, we later saw the names projected onto the ice, but it was the the 58 seconds and thinking, wow, this is this feels like a very long time. That really put even, I mean, we all know what an unbelievably tragic event it was, but it put it to even more perspective of what the massive loss of life was.
2: We're talking, of course, about the... Worst mass shooting in American history on October first at the Route ninety one Harvest Festival of Country Music. That was that was the backdrop for this. And you know, as we talked about, this this was going to be an emotional game anyway. It's the first game for an expansion franchise. It was a big deal. Vegas has never had a major professional team. You you really got a sense of the buzz around the city for this game anyway. There were Vegas jerseys all over. But you combine that with the Vegas strong signs that you see all over casinos on these massive massive billboards that only casinos in Las Vegas can do it's just this combination of emotions so it, it was just all building up to that pregame ceremony you could even you could even sense it out on the on the plaza right outside the arena but man the, the the emotion in that arena last night was palpable
0: pretty cool too along the the boards for the whole game they just had Vegas Strong written there was no advertising I mean you can only imagine how much money they could have made in advertising for the first ever game on national television as well, but uh, I thought that was a really cool gesture to just have nothing on the boards except the words Vegas Strong, a couple you know, a couple different logos or a couple different letterings. But that's uh, it's not something you normally see where there's not just advertising everywhere in any sport uh, right now. And then for them to turn the corner and harness that emotion that you were talking about earlier, where you just were they've known they had this team for a year, right? and I think people could piece together they were going to get this team for even longer. So They've been waiting to celebrate this game. And as you mentioned, Craig, it's not like, oh, yeah, they had a hockey team and it went away 10 years ago and they got one back. Or, yeah, it's a hockey team, but they've already got basketball and football down the street. This is it. I mean, this is, you talk about sports galvanizing a community in tough times. They have a a professional sport coming along at just the right time. And they were just going crazy when that game started. And by the way, so were the players on the ice for Vegas. Yeah.
3: You know, I, I try not to, to be a prisoner of the moment or, or speak in hyperbole. It's probably because it's probably why I don't work at Fox Sports One. But from just a pregame ceremony. And, never will. <laughs> and, and why none of us ever will now because uh, of you. But from, uh, well, yeah, they don't, they don't have words on their site. Uh, but that's, that's a whole different story. Just make sure that we'll never work there. Um, but from the pregame ceremony to how it was executed to the start of that game was one of the most memorable sporting moments. Uh, in my lifetime, uh, just the way that everything it was just so different it was there was so much passion, so much meaning to it even and that had nothing to do with sports and parts of it that had everything to do with sports it, it was just such a it was such a special moment um, that I, I it's something I will remember for a long time just watching it on TV. I can't even imagine what the environment felt like in person. We got a chance to talk
2: to Vegas owner Bill Foley after the first period. he did a, an impromptu press conference in one of the rooms upstairs that. <laughs> mile-high press box that they have there. But I thought, you know, he handled it so well, too. And he was he was a, a very big part of the planning for this. They, they just wanted to make sure that they got it right. They didn't mess something up. They didn't offend someone. They they struck the right tone. They, they showed the proper respect for the people, the true heroes of that day. And that was the quote uh, that I used in our story today. Uh, we were trying to show that we're part of the Vegas community. We were trying to recognize first responders and really show them that we appreciate what they did because they're the ones that really risked their lives, and they went out and they saved lives. We're really just trying to be the representation of this community. That's our goal, and I believe we hit it tonight. I agree with Bill Foley completely. They really nailed it last night.
0: It, it was cool to see, you know, Vegas is such a unique city in the sense that if you visit there, you're probably just going to the strip unless you know you have a friend that lives somewhere in Vegas. But generally speaking, I think most people's impressions of Vegas, and, and this came up a lot when, when it, word came down that they were going to get this team. I think a lot of people's impressions of Vegas is it's just a bunch of tourists there. They'll come watch their team. Not that hockey can't thrive there, but they're going to come watch their team and maybe you know maybe just for the fun of it, they'll watch Vegas. Mm-hmm. But what we saw last night was a bunch of hockey fans or you know people turning into hockey fans from Vegas like we actually saw the Vegas community there that was that was cool to me i i, I can't
2: imagine you, you know you don't want to do this against the backdrop of a tragedy it, it it's an awful way to launch a franchise but on the flip side of that i can't imagine any way of of launching a franchise where the bond between the city and the team can just be galvanized immediately because of this and by the way, the Golden Knights are 3-0. They're the first expansion team that's ever done that. I got a chance to talk to Bill Bradley, the uh, sports editor for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, who used to be here. He used to work at the Arizona Republic. And, and he, said, he said, look, I, I think if they had started out 0-2 like everybody expected the expansion team, people would have gone to the home opener. Yeah, let's see what that's about. It'll be cool. But the fact that they were 2-0 and now 3-0, he said, I, I really think they're lifting the city spirit. So there's this... There's this symbiotic relationship right now too because Foley said that the players are feeding off the, the city as well so again talking about that bond I, Vegas could not have found a better situation again I, I, I want to couch that by saying it's an awful thing that happened but in terms of ingraining a team in a in a city's fabric I think they've they've already done it
3: yeah, and they they had the, the it's unfortunate the opportunity even had to exist, but we live in a world where it does, and then the then you have to judge it by how did they execute, and, and they've done a magnificent job on, on, on all fronts of saying no, we're not just a hockey team that's in Vegas, we are Vegas, we are Vegas sports, mm-hmm. we are Vegas as a whole, and you know I think sometimes in all sports fan bases from around the league always just make the the, the incorrect assumption that oh, well, this market doesn't have a team or doesn't have this type of sports team. That They, they just don't care about that particular sport. And that's just it's proven incorrect time and time again. I mean, there's most of the cities in this country spent long periods of time without any sort of sporting team. That doesn't make them lesser fan bases. And, uh, you know, Vegas is going to, in a short period of time, in a, in a small... Window of years have two professional sports teams. Assuming everything with the Las Vegas Raiders continues to happen, uh, and uh, and like Mark Davis was there last night in his in his Vegas Gold Knights shirt, but it, the the Knights have a very unique and amazing opportunity now because they are playing well, because they have done so much for the community. They did have that ceremony where they are ingrained in that culture. Quicker than maybe most expansion franchises would have been. And it's good to be first, too, right? I mean, when we when we
2: look at this town, I, you know, the the NFL is always going to be king in certain respects. But when you look at Phoenix, if the Suns get good again, they're still the city's darling. They're they're the first team. There's a there's a love affair with them that the other teams really can't match. And that, so there, there's something special about being first in the city.
0: Yeah, and even with the Raiders, you know, even if that goes down, look, it's the NFL, so there's going to be a huge buzz because it's the NFL. Sure. But that is. That was somebody else's team first, whereas the Golden Knights were from day one. It was Vegas, and that was I mean, we literally saw them Several start from scratch. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. The Raiders have been passed around more than any team in sports, haven't they?
3: Well, the Rams, maybe.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, Derek England talking before the game. Uh, this is a guy, he's not from Vegas. He's from, I believe, Edmonton or somewhere, somewhere in Alberta, but he's lived in Vegas. He's and not, his wife there. Yeah. He's
2: saying all this to the speech of the fans. And you could hear his voice wavering when he was saying it, too. So he admitted he was nervous to deliver this speech. When's
0: the last time you heard a player that's going to compete in a game in two minutes address the crowd on his own? I mean, there wasn't, like, somebody interviewing him. Yeah, Yeah, he had 22 goals in his career before last night. And he scored within the first five minutes. Look, we have to talk about the Coyotes being the team that was just sort of (laughs) thrown into a real (laughs) tough spot last night. Watching the game, I was talking to somebody before the game even started. And, uh, but right after, like within like the two minutes before the faceoff, thinking, we were both saying, like, this is going to be really tough, not just for the Coyotes to go in there and win. You could put an all star team in there facing Vegas right now. They're going to come out just putting pucks on net.
2: I think you could have, maybe a veteran team could have managed that, but a team that's as young as the Coyotes, that they're still trying to find their identity, still trying to figure out the system, still trying to figure out each other. That was an awful situation. Three nothing,
0: six minutes in. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then, by the way, your goalie, who admits it himself, didn't didn't make a save. He didn't keep you in the game. Yeah. That it was just the worst case scenario for the Coyotes. I didn't think there was any way they were going to win that game last night. Anyway, that place was a hornet's nest. There's no way. There was so much energy there.
3: Yeah. There were there were approximately 25 people on Earth that were rooting for the Coyotes in that game, and they were all wearing. They were all on the payroll. So, (laughs) it, it wasn't it wasn't their night. And but you know what? That's okay. Because ultimately, that night was about Vegas as a city and the Golden Knights as a franchise, and I thought it was a nice to little touch—the the thank you Foley chance uh, late in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Foley's a, uh, his personality, his willingness to bring the team there, his him helping the team be ingrained in that community, even from the expansion draft on, uh, has, is a big reason why I think they will be extremely successful there. And, and when Luke and I were there, they were they were. Uh, for the expansion draft, I mean, marc Andre Fleury was talking that night about things that he was thinking about doing in the community and the plans that Foley had, and yeah. he I, was it, doing
0: street hockey stuff the next day the when next we were leaving. Morning, yeah, yeah.
3: Foley's a,
2: and you can't you can't judge a guy from you know a fifteen minute press conference, but he just feels like this regular guy, man of the people. It, yeah. there, there was no polish to him. There was no. You didn't feel like you were talking to a billionaire. You, you really didn't. So he, I think he he himself, his personality, is helping that team ingrain itself in Vegas' culture because he can identify with that city. I, I think they identify with him.
3: Kind of like a Steve Ballmer-like feel to how we... Obviously, situations of coming into ownership massively different, yeah. but in the sense that it feels it's a one-of-us feeling, mm. which I, I, in sports is extremely rare from that level of, of executiveship.
0: Also, the players on both teams. I mean, the Coyotes didn't they stay on the ice to salute? I mean, that's classy too. That's asking a lot of a young team that just got embarrassed for sixty minutes. But they did that, which I thought was, I mean, certainly their highlight of the night uh, last night. But uh, I thought that was really cool too. It just, it just felt like everybody got it right last night. The the team that won, the team that lost, the fans that were there, the city, the ownership, just the way they put it all together. I just, it was, it was. uh, Look, we all like the game growing and reaching new cities. So just the simple fact that a hockey game was played in Vegas last night was something that I was looking forward to for the last year. Gary uh,
2: Lawless likes that too, right?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, he was there. Now he has to. So he must must like it. Um, let's talk about those two teams that were on the ice in, in, in hockey terms. And I guess let's start with the Coyotes in the sense that they are winless in their first three games. And a lot of people here are flipping out. <laughs> uh, as you both just sort of alluded to and I'm 100% with you they weren't winning that game last night you open the season in Anaheim you're up 4-1 you lose 5-4 that was kind of what I thought we were going to see a lot of this team early this season score a bunch of goals but give up a bunch of goals and no lead is safe either way the one that bothers me is Saturday night at home losing to Vegas in a game where you're up one nothing with you know two minutes left that's yeah. the one that's the most if they if they were 1-1-1 and or 1-2 and right now I think Coyotes fans would have to be happy with that given the circumstances of who they were facing and, and a new coach, new players, rookies, everybody being thrown together. The one on Saturday is the one that hurts.
2: I guess uh, the Anaheim one still bothers me more because you had a 4-1 lead, first of all. And, by the way, the Ducks were playing out with without Getzloff, Kessler, Lindholm, in. But they uh, still look like a veteran team. Yeah,
0: that wasn't phased by being down three goals. Sure,
2: but when you when you're up four one and they're missing that many guys, True. you, you got to be Yeah, the it, the, f- th- the th- thing th- about the Saturday game with Vegas, Vegas outplayed the Coyotes. They, did, they there did. was no fluke that they yeah. won the game. They just they finally
3: found a way to get that game tying goal in very late. Yeah, Ranta was spectacular on Saturday, and yeah, the Vegas was better from about the six minute mark of the first period to the very end. Uh, so the the first two games have to concern. I'm you write off that third game completely. I, I'm not sure as we've talked about it, any any team could have, have been better there. But those first two games are two games that even though they got were outplayed on Saturday, they should have won that game. They had a lead late in the third yeah, period, and obviously, when you, if you're winning four-one, period, you should win those games.
0: Toby Reeder said it to me after the game on Saturday. He's like, "Well, we sh- we should be we should have four points. We should be two and zero right now." And like I already knew that, but when he said it, it just kind of hit home. Like this team with all these rookies and all these new pieces could be starting off their season two and zero, and instead now they're o two and one. So like it's very early in the season. You just hope a young team doesn't get discouraged, and I don't think going into Vegas for their first ever game and losing is going to discourage them. But you just don't want to be stacking losses early. And, and this is what I've this is the storyline that I'm going to be watching for a while. I don't think Rick Tockett's going to get discouraged, but he's used to winning pretty much every game for the last two years, and now he's he's working with young players that are not skating on the line with Sidney Crosby. This is very different. I. I I'm interested to see how he reacts.
3: Yeah, go ahead. No, and one of the things you know we talked about preseason was especially with a young team, how can you how can you stop the losing? How do you stop the bleeding? How do you turn a bad loss into how do you prevent a bad loss from becoming three losses in a row, and yeah. becoming a losing streak? And we've seen the same problems play. Again, it's early in the season; it's a very small sample size. But there are issues in game one where there were same issues in game two, and there are same issues in game three where we're not seeing. They're, they're not losing in different ways. They're losing the same way. It's just as how quickly... It's just whether or not the pucks has going in the back of the net for the other team. Yeah. I,
0: it's probably better that you're losing the same way, though, because at least you know what you have well, to and fix. It,
3: and again, it's... it's.
2: I, I said this at the start of the season. I know Rick Tockett thought a fast start was important for this team for confidence, for buy-in, and, and obviously not to fall out of the race in the standings, but... You've got all these new faces you've got a brand new system a brand new coaching staff and a lot of youth and that's a major challenge to get off to a fast start it, it is like rick target says it is hard to win in this league and when you have all those challenges you know again i know people are jumping off buildings right now because of what what's happening with the coyotes but honestly what did you expect i, I kind of expected this i expected them to struggle early there's there's a lot of things that they have to work through and again, this is this is still very early in the rebuild. I know we everybody looks at this in that five-year window yeah. of not making the playoffs, but they didn't start the rebuild five years ago. They only started a couple of years ago, and and they've really embraced it this year. This this lineup this year with all the youth sprinkled all over it is. It it sort of feels like
3: okay, this is the launch point. From here, it should start moving forward. Yeah, I think that that's that's the the big point that we've been we've been preaching for months now is you can't the starting point of the rebuild in, in fans a lot of fans' mind is starts two or three years before it actually did. Right. And yes, it's unfortunate. You never know, you don't want to see a team continue to miss the playoffs. And obviously, if you're a season ticket holder and you're spending your hard earned money, you want to see them progress back to playoff contention soon. But this is still a long game. They are still. Two to three years away from being a team we're talking about as a consistent wild card contender, and I think that part's okay. You want to see tangible progress, but I did want to ask you guys a little bit it about. It Shouldn't
0: be three years though. I don't. Th- I don't. The, I wouldn't be upset. If, I wouldn't blame fans if they're upset that they're if they're still not competing in three years. Well, that's not, not
3: competing, but I don't think this is a team we're talking about making the playoffs for two or three more years. Well, my thought
0: legitimately, all legitimately,
3: like we legitimately think they are going to be competing because I, 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 I don't see it yet. They have a lot of young pieces. They have a very bright future. They have a great cap situation, but they still have a long way to go because even these young guys that have a lot of potential, they have a ways to go before they're meeting what actual players are doing in the Mm -hmm, NHL. mm -hmm.
0: My thought all along with, you know, if you're talking about this season as sort of a launch point is every step they take now, they shouldn't take a step back. You know what I mean? Like if they get to a point by halfway through the season where – you know, this line is clicking, or we've established that Clayton Keller is a legitimate Rookie of the Year candidate, or Anthony Duclair's back, or Max Domi's taking the next step, or whatever, there then shouldn't be any steps back. Whereas coming into the season, you have to acknowledge you did take a bit of a step back because you switched your coach.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're, and you're talking big picture, I mean, because guys go through slumps.
0: Yeah, so but I'm saying collectively people. as the team, yeah. you know, if, some, if, if somebody does take a step back individually, somebody else should step up. They have the pieces in place now where every step they take forward should be fairly permanent, at least as much as it can be in sports. But you do need to acknowledge that you took, you changed everything this summer, so it's going to take a while to get out of the gate. That was my thought even coming into the season. If Because they, they do have some, some unknown upside. You, I mean, you, you never know with a team like this if they go on a run if they maybe could compete for a playoff spot as soon as this year, but you're not going to get out of the gate fast. My thought was the first 20 games,
3: if you can just hover around 500, then we can talk. Yeah, there's going to be an obvious transition period, but I think there's also a period of – even if a player like Clayton Keller by the end of the season we go yeah he's really starting to figure it out it's because he started to figure it out by game 30 game 40 game 45 he wasn't playing those first 45 games like he's going to play the last 30 and i think when you so when you're looking at the pro- progress over the course of a season as the team gets better, you can't then retroactively look back and say, this team at, at in April, well, if they just did this in October, well, they weren't there in October. They weren't those types of players. And, yeah. and again, we still don't know what we're going to get from a lot of these young players. You know, Dylan, Dylan Strom gets sent back down and everybody's freaking out about that again. I, if he didn't have a strong preseason, he might not have been an opening night roster guy anyway, but do you really want a young guy that had a decent preseason and demote him right away? Probably not. But it, and it's not the end of the world that he's down there. I think it's pretty clear, we've talked on the show, at least in my opinion, that he's not that number one center. He's not going to be. Um, as Craig has pointed out in more general fashion, if you're going to be a true number one center, you make an impact. At that, to At least flash that you're going to be that type of player in your first two or three years as a right. professional, and we haven't seen that yet. But there are other roles that he can play on the team. It's going to take a lot of time for these young players to not only know the system but to improve to a point where they are matching what veterans in the league are already doing.
0: Do you have anything else to say about FS1 before we move on?
3: Uh, not yet. I'm sure something will come
0: to me. Okay. Well, we've talked a lot about the two teams in the desert, so uh, let's transition to some of the teams that have gotten off to hot starts. But we need to <laughs> acknowledge that Vegas has done that and that James Neal might be the first player ever to win the MVP and get traded at the trade deadline. If if if, if things even out and Vegas doesn't go 82-0, he's still a candidate to get traded. But he's got five goals in three games. Three game winners in three games right. to start the season. Off that trade stock. And
2: he's got uh, – he's going to play all the important minutes for them because they just – look, at at some point, this is going to come back to earth for Vegas. They're, they're not that good a team. It's, it's going to come back yeah.
0: to earth. But There's, they were built around James Neal and Marc-Andre Fleury, right? and it's working perfectly. Yeah, a winger
2: – a goaltender, fine, but a, but a wing, you don't build around no. wings. And, and, again, it's at some point, this is going to sink back down. They're not a playoff team, but – He's going to be in so many important minutes. I wrote this today. I, I think he can score forty goals this year. He's I done it he's before. Kind of, yeah. yeah, it's been a while.
0: It's you know what? Been, I'll, I'll take the under. He was skating with Malkin the year he got forty.
3: Yeah, he's but, but, but what's interesting about Malkin that Malkin that now. Vegas team as, as kind of like a final point before we move on. You know, the, we, when we were there, there were two players that their GMs really were not happy with losing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everybody everybody knew the Penguins were losing. Flurry that was that was happening. Yep, it was James Neal and Nate Schmidt. Yep, and both those players have been excellent for Vegas so yeah.
0: far Yep. It. I mean you, you want to talk about it going exactly according to the script when you have an expansion draft they drafted all those other players to maybe make trades or you know they, they made deals with teams on the night of the expansion draft or the days leading up to it or whatever but yeah they, they went into that expansion draft figuring they were building around flurry and net Schmidt on defense and James Neal up front for at least this year, and James Neal might not be there beyond this year. Although if he keeps playing like this, maybe they'll just sign him again. I don't know, nah, but I can't see it. But uh, you
3: don't miss the golden opportunity with his stock this high. Right, you're I mean, five, you're five plus years away. He's thirty years old, and he can bring so much at the deadline.
0: He you could absolutely. He's going to bring a ton at the deadline. And they need centers. <laughs> they need yes. centers. Let's throw out some of these other teams that have gotten off to good starts, and you guys uh, react to uh, to them. St. Louis. I don't know if are we just playing buy or sell here, or how are we doing this? I mean, the Blues are four and zero as we it's record surprising this. Surprising to me, huh? yeah. With their
2: injury situation, I, I guess I am a little surprised that the Blues are off to this kind of start.
0: But I mean, they're a team we all think is going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they're
2: a veteran team. They know what they know what it takes, and they have that blue line. At least the the top of their blue line is excellent. So there,
3: there are certainly pieces there.
0: Absolutely. Um, Stanley Cup favorite Chicago. Oh boy, who? Uh, one of us had finishing fifth in the I Central. Brandon
3: Sod scored again since the time we just started this conversation. They haven't the lost Penguins? a game yet.
0: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so oh. They haven't lost a game of regulation oh. yet. We should mention Brandon Sod and James of large numbers.
2: Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Ten. Ten. When's the last time you saw a team score ten goals in a game? Last week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, that was insane. Nice Thanks,
2: Patrick Kate said it didn't feel real. Are,
0: yeah. Are, are you going to walk back your, your fear of Chicago now?
2: I, I still think they could be a playoff team, that second wild card team.
0: I just would like to point out that of the three of us, I'm the only one that picked them to go did, to the did you Stanley Cup. The, uh, but, by
2: the way, they won in Montreal, and well, Montreal, Montreal, can't Montreal, <laughs> Montreal can't score. But, that team's yeah, got that, issues. That's the, problem, the way, three, three players, years right? in a
3: row, Montreal can't score. This is this is the same conversation we start every season with. It's either, hey, they're hot right now, there's no, no way to keep they it up. They usually score
0: right now, and then that's it. They, they score for the first three weeks. They
3: oh. outplayed the Blackhawks in that game, and, and once the
2: Hawks took a 2-0 lead in Toronto, that game was... So one sided, it
3: was ridiculous. Toronto was so much better than the Black. By the way, if you had a Connor Murphy healthy healthy scratch second week of October, uh, collect your winnings. Congratulations, yeah. That didn't take long.
0: (laughs) How about Toronto? Toronto That team is is fun to to watch. watch. All the goals.
3: All the goals. Um, that's,
2: That's. That has to be the standard bearer for the NHL. This is
3: what we want the NHL to be. They're so exciting to watch. Our team in the huge hockey market just scoring a million goals a game. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, the other team that was proclaimed the greatest team ever, the Oilers are 1-2. and They have as many goals as Alex Ovechkin. But uh, there are 12 teams in the NHL with as many or less goals than Alex Ovechkin seven goals in his first two games. For some reason, he didn't score in the third one, but we're recording this again on Wednesday. I guess I'll just repeat that over and over again. They play Pittsburgh tonight, so expect like a 9-8 game. So I'm going to just pencil Ovechkin in for at least two more goals tonight. I think that's fair. So right. he's getting
2: back to 50 this year, we think.
0: Yeah. He
3: might get to 50 this month, <laughs> the way he's going. Yeah, he, he He's on his Tom Brady FU tour right now of the NHL. Of all, I can't go to the Olympics. I'm just going to score every goal.
0: Good for him. I, I you know... We make fun of the Capitals a lot on the show, and a lot of it's because we know Carl and we just, just want to make him feel bad. Also, yeah, rightfully so, the Capitals. But he's on pace for 192 goals this year, and under. I'll tell you what—I'd like to see it under if he can. You
3: take the under on yeah, that. The under on 192 and a second-round exit.
0: Well, we're not, oh, we're was, not talking uh, about the playoffs. For, that, that's really harsh just, and, and just sorry. Like a shot. I'm sorry. Any other teams really impressing you so far? Washington, St. Louis, Toronto, and Chicago are the teams at the uh, top of the standings the, and mm-hmm. Vegas, in Vegas. Obviously, yeah. Vegas. standings. yeah,
2: those would be the ones, and then. Conversely, the, there's a few teams off to not so great starts. A couple surprises there. He, I keep expecting Buffalo to take a step up.
3: Nah, I think are I, I was are on they going to do it. Buffalo was on my. I'm sure they're not going to make the playoff draft that Jack we did. Eichel's yeah. making all the money in the world now. Yeah.
2: Did, did anyone think that that contract was a whoa? Oh,
3: that was I mean, a little it was excessive. A little That's.
0: That, it wasn't I, Joel Embiid excessive because Eichel's played more than 30 games in his career.
3: But this is the new normal. I guess this is what we're, we're signing out all our guys in the mid 20s to eight year deals. Seven, eight-year deals. That's the new normal now. That's a lot of money. RIP bridge deals. What's he done?
0: At least Dreisaitl, like got his team to the playoffs and showed up in the playoffs. What has And
2: Michael scored
3: done? like 70-something uh, points last year. coach fired, I yeah. guess. So. Well, uh, well like, to be fair, one? I mean, if you're what's paying him to team? be player, GM, and coach, okay, that's yeah. actually a good <laughs> that's, value. That's, that's no, all I mean, when You divide it three different ways. That's that's a great point. I, I don't see it with Buffalo. I'm, I'm, I'm out. Yeah, and Jamie, I've been out. Jamie did take them. Somebody from the USA Today picked them to win the East to go to the Stanley Cup final. That was... Is that, was, was that Terry really? Pagula? That was uh, interesting, but I I don't see it. Does he have a call? <laughs>
0: he could buy one if he really wanted Every,
3: one. Everybody tells me, oh, this is going to be the buff- Buffalo's year. Based
0: on what? He writes under the name Perry Tagula. It's that way nobody will catch on, but I'm i on to his game.
2: The other two teams that are struggling, the, the Rangers and the Sharks, are a, a little bit more of a surprise. Maybe not too much of a surprise. I, I, I think I said two weeks ago that the Sharks are going to start slipping now. We're going to start seeing yeah. that one slide downhill. The Rangers, maybe maybe this is this will be the uh, wake up call to to management to finally realize, hey, you're not a cup contender anymore. You haven't been for years, but maybe you'll realize it.
0: No now. way, that no way they that this is a wake up call. No, they'll just keep the, blaming Henrik Lundqvist like, for everything. Mookie okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh I'm I'm not done with San Jose yet. I mean, they've only played two
3: games. Yeah, uh, no,
2: it's, it's way too Yeah, difficult.
3: I mean, this small sample size, but when we're talking in the big picture about teams that we are worried about. Making massive impacts long term and they struggle when those two things meet, then you can start to look at it a little bit more closely.
0: The first week of the season has sort of reinforced to me what I think two i think I think both of you felt this way, and I felt this way as well, but Toronto is just so much better than Edmonton. I know that those are the two teams in Canada that are yep. put up on the pedestal, and they should be i mean they're the two best teams in Canada, and they're two of the better teams in the N h l or at least Toronto is um Toronto's better. <laughs> they yeah. just are. They're, yes, they're, they are. they're a better put-together team, period. Connor McDavid is really fun to watch, though, when yeah, he gets they, going. they've got a couple great pieces there. They just have traded mm-hmm. others. Yes, they have. Uh, what do we think about this Art Ross race?
2: It's fun. So Those many points. Fun. Evgeny Kuznetsov,
0: I believe, actually leads everybody in the NHL with eight points, right? Eight points in three games. I mean, this is... I understand that the, the scoring is going to get curbed. It always starts out of the gate pretty pretty quick like this, but we're seeing like six, five games like they're nothing right now, and yeah. I, I don't think it's going to just completely Let's fall hope. off.
2: Let's hope. I mean, you got and you got some new names in here, too. Fresh blood is always fun to yes. watch. I don't know that any of these guys that are currently among the goal-scoring leaders other than Alex, Alex Ovechkin can sustain it, Brandon Saad. Mika Zibanejad. James Neal can stay there. Evander How did Zibanejad, Zibanejad get five
3: goals, too? Mika Zibanejad's been
2: the best player on the Rangers by far. It's funny watching the all, the reaction from Ranger fans, too. Oh, he's, he's loving this number one center role, and it's all great. And wait, wait, the Rangers are not playing well They're right not now. Yeah. So <laughs> what's, what's, what's all good about this? Wayne Simmons, who I absolutely love as a player. Yeah. Is one of the most underrated players in the NHL. And then Sonny Milano.
0: Well. Sonny Mint Milano. He was... <laughs> He was one of their higher-rated prospects. Yeah, he was. He so, was a
1: first-round draft pick. Yeah, yeah so 2014,
2: I believe. So all those guys, four goals are better. There are 20 guys right now who are averaging a goal a game in the NHL. That's that absurd. will not last, obviously. Yeah, under
0: <laughs> no. But uh, but okay, let's let's toss this out there. What do you think the What do you think wins you the scoring title this year? Now, you don't have to tell me who's going to have the most goals, but do you think we see somebody... Maybe what
2: will
3: Ovechkin's total be at the basically end? Basically, yeah. is what
0: I'm asking you. Because what, Crosby at 44 last year, right? That was the, the winning number?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think we get back to 50. Okay, okay, okay. Do you think he, we get two players at 50? I, he's the only one that's done it for a while. Yeah, I don't know who would be the... I mean... I think Stamkos is the last one to hit 50 other than... Stamkos yeah. hit 60. Yeah. Although I, We're never seeing that again. From Stamkos, never. Oh, from Stamkos. Sorry, okay. yeah, from Stamkos. Let me make that clear. Now we will see sixty goals in the NHL again, but not from not from Steven Stamkos. Stamkos done this year. Has Tampa even played yet this year? Yeah. Kucherov has. Yeah, Kucherov, Kucherov is so It's just like Shock last year. Year. Yeah, Kucherov is is performing well. Yeah, he is, and he's been uh, for a few years. Yep. I, I'm
0: I'm hoping that I'm hoping that there is a a scoring race in terms of the Art Ross that that involves more than just Connor Me McDavid. Too. Like I want five, six players there really making a run and and when you look at just total points. I mean, Kuznetsov the eight assists in three games, he tends to trail off as the seasons go, although he's still so young that maybe maybe that's not a big enough sample size either. Mm-hmm. But if he's going to be skating with Alex Ovechkin all year, a decent chance he can rack up a good 50 assists. I mean, he's He's on pace for about a billion right now.
2: Right. I want to see if guys like Mark Scheifele and Vladimir Tarasenko can take that next step up in production, too, where they get to truly elite status, like top five, six scores in the league. Well,
0: Scheifele so averaged 100. about a point a game
3: in the last two years. years yeah. Tarasenko so was excellent.
2: Early. Can they, can, <laughs> the can they get week. to the 90-point plateau? Can they, yeah. they approach 100? That's where I want to see the NHL go again. I want to get back to that. It's, it's so much fun to watch. And again, Toronto is the standard bearer for that. Watch the Maple Leafs on a nightly basis. They're the most exciting team in hockey. Yeah, because that's
0: the team that could be behind three nothing in the first period and come back and win, or be up three nothing and come back or and be lose. Be behind two nothing against the
2: Blackhawks.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. So, so that's uh, any, any any of the rookies stood out for you so far? I mean, we've seen Clayton Keller firsthand here. He looks fine. Uh, Alex DeBrincat looks pretty good in Chicago. We're
2: gonna get a. Good look at uh, one when Boston comes to town on Saturday here. At, yeah, yeah. Charlie Charlie McAvoy is a, a legitimate Calder Cofi- Trophy candidate, I think.
0: What do we think about uh, the Red Wings who are coming here on Thursday? a Couple wins to start off the season.
2: You know, what's f- gold. It's funny. I, I, we're sitting at Coyotes practice. I was listening to a few people saying, "Hey, this roster is really good. They just had that bad year last year," and I'm, I'm, I was just quiet. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I, I, I don't see it. You guys are so much lower. On them than I am Not like I think they're a playoff team But I've said this a few times I, I do think guys like Anthony Manta Are, are, are pretty good players He's to a great start Yeah he and is. This is what he did last year too I mean Now the team didn't win last year So take that for what it's worth And Henrik Zetterberg seems to be ageless But uh, We talked about the Coyotes To start the show They need that game in a big way, I don't think that's a given against Detroit by any means. Well, I don't
3: think right the way the Coyotes are playing and the way they've been playing late in games. I don't think you can consider any game a given. That for them. that's true. That's yeah. what you that's what you want to see next. Not to go back to coyotes stuff, but you want to see okay. Next time they have a lead late in a game, finish the game. Mm-hmm. Or as cra- or as Craig pointed out to me the other night, get that next goal to as push the game along. As former yeah, coach Dave, Dave Tippett used to love to say, "Push oh, the guys, game, game along." you are finishing they each other's sentences now. That
0: that's. That uh, You had too big of a smile on your face talking about uh, one of their games. Uh, This is on you, Craig, because you wrote. You wrote. No, no, no.
2: you're the Penguins guy. No,
0: you wrote the phrase "Penguins at the the White House."
2: House. It was cool seeing the photo. Did you see the photo of the the, uh, Stanley Cup in the White House?
0: No, I I actually avoided all of this. It was not intentionally. kind of. It's just again. It's that trophy. Yeah,
2: I I just yeah. I can't gush enough about that trophy. It's by far the best trophy in professional sports. It is so cool, and to see it sitting there, it, it's massive. It's
0: just massive. It commands now. your attention yeah. no matter who else or or what else is in the room.
2: So they, they take they actually take rings off the bottom now, right? So been, yeah, yeah. Th- that bothers me.
0: You just want them carrying just, around a seven hundred pound trophy? Yeah,
2: I think they should just keep building. it. Should be a skyscraper one day. <laughs> How many rings? In the year are three thousand, the Stanley Cup will be like the Washington Monument.
0: They'll need like fifty people to carry it out <laughs> sideways onto the ice and you won't be able to parade it around. You just like hold it and slowly yeah. skate in a circle while everybody <laughs> holds it. Uh the Islanders have committed to building an arena at Belmont Park. Well,
2: they've committed to you know,
0: Trying to build an arena. The, the
2: bidding process, but the, the soccer team in town is also and there are other there are others involved in that bid as well. If they don't win it, that's that's to me is the question. If they don't win the bid, <sighs> what well, next? Can't stay at Barclays. You can't stay at Barclays. And Gary Bettman has also shut down Nassau Coliseum as a possibility for a return. It's not a viable option. Yeah,
3: they're not going to go back to something they didn't want. So if (laughs) they they lose this
2: bid, what happens to the Islanders? What do
0: they do then? I'd like to get to a point where all 31 teams in the NHL are just locked into their cities and we don't have to talk about anybody moving again. And I have no ties to the Islanders. Good luck with that. I don't even know where Belmont Park is. But uh, I would... It's just... Just the way I was raised. Just, just the way you were raised. Well, yeah. uh, so,
3: if they was so, if and when they move to Houston, what do we we name them? Because Houston Islanders feels like it's that's no, terrible. That's like the, the worst kids. fit of all. Yeah.
2: Well, the of Houston Hurricanes would be an awful
3: name. Yeah. No. Like not. Uh, yeah. I no, think they'll really just like lose that
0: one. They'll no. just change their name, no matter. The, the, Houston the, Islanders the doesn't. Uh, yeah.
2: Those two are I mean, one's offensive. Yeah. yeah, it's so bad. Yeah. Uh let's see. Panthers, there are no panthers and well there are no panthers in Florida are there? Are there no, there isn't in, the in Florida Miami?
0: panthers like the some endangered species or some species. Yeah, are they species these roaming these around these Miami? One it's the one Everglades sunrise. Sunrise. just walking
3: around the Everglades. But, but
2: Sunrise, right? Is it's north of Miami. Uh, yeah. Panthers roaming around Sunrise, Florida. I'm going to look it, this
3: up. I upbringing. used to live yeah, I said I used to live no, about cougars. 20 there's minutes cougars from roaming around okay. Sunrise. say like I live 20 minutes from that arena. I don't remember seeing any panthers.
2: There are coyotes everywhere. We know that. These yeah, are survivors.
0: <laughs> I love when Craig gets poetic on the show and then realizes that he's going down the path of so writing a haiku without trying. Tell
2: for Titta. For Titta? For Tita For Titta?
0: I Isn't that you know. an egg sandwich? <laughs> it's the usual name. Okay. New
2: owner of the Rockets. Uh, as we all know, uh, Les Alexander, the previous owner of the Rockets, was a great impediment to the NHL coming to Houston. They tried to go twice. It didn't happen. Here's Tillman. I would put an NHL team here tomorrow. Okay, then. Houston is officially open for business, and we know the NHL loves
0: Houston. Good for them. Uh, Also, just backtracking for a second, the Florida Panther is an endangered population of cougar that lives in forests and swamps of southern Florida. Florida So not only was I kind of making a joke, I was scientifically correct as well.
3: Wait, they, they live where?
0: The forests and swamps of southern Florida. Um,
3: How how far south? Okay, swamps. Calling anything in that area a forest is really pushing it.
0: (laughs) Um, Let's see. It looks like uh, Miami-Dade County. A little bit of that. Okay, so they're Uh cougars. This
3: map looks like it
2: was... Jeez. Roaming around. I, I
3: never, I, I never, well, I guess because they're endangered, but I, I don't remember seeing this, this breed confused. of animal when I lived in Pembroke Pines. I'd g- give you more. Nickname? Why did you choose that nickname?
0: This this map was drawn name? by a two year old. So I think it says Collier County, but then there's like a drawing How many of an L- elephant.
3: are there out there for a Florida team than Panthers?
2: They're
0: like 193. Yeah. yeah, all of them. Give or, give or take. All right. Do we have anything else? Or can we move on and talk to Ray? Whitney? Yeah, we're,
3: we're we're gonna we're gonna rename the Florida Panthers before we talk to Ray Whitney.
0: Well, no, let's do that before next week's episode. Everybody, come in. We'll do what we'd like to call a Lipinski list, and we're each going to come in with five yeah, exactly. nicknames for That's the Florida Panthers. Idea. It's a great it's idea. Alliteration
3: too. Yeah. Who
0: thought of that? That's, no. And, well, There's no way
3: Luke comes geez. in with names. Only one we of us has of an alliterated name, chance. so I think right. we can all figure we'll do out. We'll homework. He won't.
0: What was the homework again? Hmm. I look. If I assign it, I shouldn't have to do it. Nobody assigns themselves work. Ah, okay. All right, I have, uh, I have real work to do, so let's, uh, let's, let's get to the interview with Ray Whitney. This, uh, this should be insightful. He's a, he's a great talker, and he's coming off a pretty great NHL career, so that's next. All right, we are joined now by a man who had over 1,000 points in his NHL career. He's now a director in the NHL Department of Player Safety. Ray Whitney is on the line. Ray, thanks for the time. What, uh, what, is, what is life like for you now with this uh, new role as the NHL season begins?
1: Uh, well, thanks for having me, first of all, guys. Um, you know, the, the role is still, I'm watching a lot of hockey. I'm watching games every night, not necessarily, uh, you know, scouting. I was doing just the Pacific Division. Uh, now I'm kind of uh, focusing on, on all the games, flipping back and forth, just always kind of looking for something that might jump out where, um, you know, it could be a, a call to our guys back in New York and say, hey, flag that one for us or uh, keep an eye for that one, and then uh, it's watching a lot of video.
2: Wince, before I ask you another question about player safety, why aren't you on Twitter, by the way?
1: <laughs> well, Craig, you know me too well that I'm, uh, I'm pretty sarcastic and I'm a little hot-tempered at times, so I, I don't think uh, me being on Twitter is good for my, uh, my longevity in any kind of career.
2: <laughs> probably, probably true right now, but I was thinking before you said that, I was thinking hot-headed, sarcastic. That, that sounds exactly like Twitter to me. It's the perfect forum.
1: Yeah, it does. It, it does, and um, unfortunately, I would think I would offend too many people and um, and make less friends than I have, and I don't. Uh, I, don't I don't need to be doing that. But uh, I do watch Twitter. I'm one of those creepers. I, I watch. Uh, I, I creep on people on on, uh, on Twitter, but I actually don't post anything.
2: All right. Well, let me ask you just to to start from the beginning here. What interested you in this job, and how did it come about? And do you have a greater goal in mind here?
1: Well, George George called me one day and said, you know, uh, Chris Pronger had moved on uh, with the uh, the Florida Panthers, and uh, he he was a director as well. Uh, and then George was taken over for Stephon Cantel, who's uh, you know still still on the on the Department of Player Safety, maybe taking a less role, looking to get. Uh, uh, into something else Maybe i'm not sure um, so whenever the league calls and gives you an opportunity to work for it i think it's just a great it's a great idea for you as a player um, ex player excuse me to see both sides of the game and i, I kind of know and understand what goes on on the hockey aspect of it and um, a uh, team aspect of it i thought it was a great opportunity to be able to go on the other side <clears throat> excuse me and, and really start to learn the game on both sides of it so that when the next opportunity comes up i'm very Aware of what's going on all around the league.
3: You mentioned in another interview that you feel the department needed the perspective of a skill guy versus uh, George Peros. What do you think that that will bring to the way that the whole league looks at these decisions?
1: Well, first of all, let's not say versus George Peros. That's not—I <laughs> uh, don't believe that's what I said. Um, I, I said I mean, along with somebody who who played like George does. Um, you, you you might need somebody. And this was George's idea, not mine, so uh, I can't take credit for this. Uh, this is George's uh, um, foresight to, to, to think, let's get a skilled guy in there who's had the puck on a stick a lot, um, has been hit probably more than he's been doing the hitting, um, and just have a different aspect. Um, when you're looking at these video clips and you're seeing guys get hit and get run over or getting um, whatever it is, if it's a head shot or if it's just a boarding um and get a, a, a skill guy's perspective of it is it something that could have been avoided from the skill guy or is it always just the guy hitting and, and believe it or not a lot of the onus at times is actually on the guy getting hit uh, As people we always just look at the, the savage who just ran over a guy but um, did the guy put himself in that position or could he uh, you avoided know, entirely so that's kind of where my role comes in and say listen I think he could have got out of this he's a smart player he knows what's going to happen here and he just uh, chose not to
0: Ray, when you look at the NHL today, what do you see as the greatest issues concerning player safety?
1: Well, obviously it's headshots. I think that's the, the growing concern in every sport right now, uh, well, every contact sport anyway. Uh, just with the pace of the play, of the game now and the size of the players, you know, I was uh, at my son's hockey practice the other day, just that the, the Coyotes were going out for their morning skate, and, um, and just looking at the size of these kids who are coming up with Berlini and Kraus and... Um, they're, just, they're just so much bigger than on average than, than they used to be. And, and then when you watch them skate in their morning skate, you realize that not only are they bigger, they're so much faster than they were on top of it. So the combination of that size and speed uh, you know, is a great game to watch, but it's also a dangerous game when you have full contact and you have uh, open ice hitting and things like that. So I still think uh, contact to the head and, and contact is still the biggest concern for us safety-wise although I do think the players are doing a, a really good job at trying to minimize um, injuries.
2: Okay, talk, talk about how, how do you think that's happening, and, and with what we're learning about head injuries, still the science is very new on this, so we're really progressing, learning a lot more about the impact of repetitive head trauma, things like that. With all that we're learning, um, you know, do, you, do you think that the NHL needs to further alter the way that it deals with head
1: I, I don't think so. I think when anytime you have a, a contact sport, and listen, guys, when it comes down to contact sport, um, you know, if if you pulled all 700 guys in the NHL, and this would never happen, but you said, listen, you have to sign a waiver, you know, because they had contact, there's a risk that you're going to get hit in the head. Do you want to still play? What do you think everybody's going to do? They're all going to sign that and say, yes, I would, I would love to play. That's never going to happen, but um, – the, the contact part in the head is, is what we've done a good job and what the players are doing a good job is trying to target them. Like you're still going to get hit headshots just by the pace of the game and different sizes of the different athletes. Um, but there was a time in the game when I first came in and um, and even a long long way into my career where, you know, the, the idea of hitting a guy to separate him from the puck, you know, that's what a hit is, is supposed to be meant to, to do. Uh, and when I started, I thought, there's, there's some guys taking hits to knock guys out of the game, and um, and it's just, it was just a nastier, meaner game um, back then. I couldn't imagine it being played like that with the pace and the size that we're at today with our with our athletes. So um, I think the league is doing a great job of, of trying to uh, understand what's happening with, the, with all the, the brain injuries and stuff like that, uh, as well as the NFL is doing the same thing. I just think that uh, the players in general are getting – you know, better understanding of what the, the end result and what the trauma is going to be uh, over a, a lifelong career.
3: Aside from headshots, from a player's perspective, what other type of infraction do they want out of the game most? Is it the, the hand slash? Is it a slew foot? You know, in the NFL, wide receivers are always, they always they hate the low hits. What is the NHL equivalent to that? If it's not uh, uh, putting headshots to the side for a moment.
1: Well, first of all, I mean, you don't have we're hockey players. You don't you don't see a lot of complaining. Uh, especially, you don't see a lot of complaining in the media about all oh, this is we, this guy's being dirty. This guy's hit me there. We don't have guys who hit low. Um, you know, we have fighting in our league, so you, you can police yourself a little bit. I think if the NFL allowed wide receivers to get in fights with the defensive backs. That uh, you know would that change would that change people's attitudes a little bit? If all of a sudden you could get in a bare knuckle fight, um, so that's what that's what I think separates our game. They have to uh, do they have to flag, throw the helmets the off too
2: do they have to take the yeah, helmet off? Take yeah. helmets off. Okay. So, right. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's funny, guys who want to be tough and, and act tough—they are until there's the, you know, there's a no, no, no mask, and there's somebody going to punch you in the face. All of a sudden, <laughs> uh, you know, there still are there's those ones who are tough, but there's a whole bunch that will fade away, and uh, you know, a lot of those I think get rid of it. But there's not a lot of complaining in the in the league. I, I think everybody understands what what happens in our league and how hard you have to play it and how hard you're going to get hit. Um, the biggest thing I think they're doing a good job of this year is the flashing. Um, you know, you're always taught from a young age, you know, try to hit the hands, hit the hands. It doesn't mean slash the hands. It just means get your stick in there to avoid, you know, the player taking a shot, making a pass, uh, whatever. But when you do that, obviously there's fingertips at the end of that flash. Um, and that's the biggest thing for me when I was playing. That's the thing I hated the most was the flash across the fingers. Uh, I think for the last five or six years, I, I broke one of my bottom three fingers on my right hand at least once a year. Um, there's nothing you do with it. You still play with it. But if we can avoid those ones, I think as a player, you get, uh, you get tired of getting those locks in the hands. But uh, the slew foot, you don't see a whole lot of slew footing anymore. Guys are pretty conscious of that. Um, so there really isn't anything other than head contact that is really concerning, I don't think, for the players.
0: Ray, you mentioned the game used to be nastier, and you've only been retired for a couple years. But even in those couple years, how much have you seen the game change? And and what, in your mind, has been the biggest change? Is it just the speed?
1: Well, the speed is is, is the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, um, when I when I was playing, and uh, and not not later in my career, but for probably at least half of it, um, you know, when the summer was off, you know, you know, for the summer, you took two or three, you know, two and a half months off and enjoyed yourself and did what your buddies who, who work nine to five do which was uh, you know go fishing and drink your beer in the weekends and then get shaved a little bit later in the summer and you look at the athletes now it's a full-time job for them they got nutritionists they got personal trainers they're on the ice probably 11 months of the year instead of uh, you know seven or eight which we, we were back in the day um, so the game itself is faster stronger uh, the players are more prepared to play at a younger age now than they were Um but with fighting, although there is fighting in it, you don't see the heavyweights around as much anymore. You don't see guys uh, fighting as much as they there before. A lot of the a lot of the reason I think is because we've got the visors on the players for one. Um, who wants to get in a fight and start smashing somebody's visor and cut your handle up, that's that's no fun. Um, so the biggest thing I see is just the, the lack of you know, the lack of fighting and and the pace of, and, and the, the body contact is just more forceful now.
3: One of the things I've always been curious about is when a play is flagged and it's determined that there needs to be a further investigation or suspension to be handed out, when the player comes in for an in-person meeting, what kind of questions are asked and what are you looking for? What what specifically do you want to hear from these players? And what is the difference between the in-person hearing versus the phone hearing that we always hear about? Well,
1: obviously the severity of it, if you get an in-person hearing, I think there's a minimum uh, amount of games you're going to be suspended. Uh, I can't tell you what those questions are when I've been in there because I haven't been into one yet. Um, you know, I've only been on the job here for a couple of weeks, so there hasn't been an in-person one that I've had to be a part of. Um, I've been on the phone for one uh, listening, and basically what you're doing is tr- trying to get um, the player's thoughts and idea on what he was thinking at the time and then try to determine or cipher through what, uh, what of it is BS and what of it is um, some truth I guess I mean they're all uh, gonna try to defend themselves and 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 they're all going to read the play a certain way and it's our job as a committee to say okay he's um, he's not telling the truth here or, or maybe he is on this one uh, we think he's full of, you know full of beans on this one he knew <laughs> what he was doing um, that type of thing so uh, basically it is just to get his point of view it doesn't really get into a debate. You just want to hear, uh, you know, what their general manager thought of the play and what the player thought of the play. And then um, we we get off the phone and get on and we we give our analogy of it. And then in the end, it's George's job to to determine what his course of action will be.
2: Ray, uh, as a rule, when it comes to fines or suspensions, do players like it better that it's coming from a former player? You know, that they're handing down that punishment versus like the NHL where, or the NFL where Roger Goodell does it would, would be better to hear it from you <laughs> than to hear it from Gary Bettman.
1: Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think they, they're mad either way. If they're suspended. <laughs> I think what happens, uh, when, when a player tells them, uh, I think there's a little bit more of, uh, more skin in the game kind of thing where, uh, if George is, is suspending somebody or finding him, he's probably been in that situation, um, Numerous times, and and can relate to the player better. Uh, you know when Roger does it. You know Roger wasn't coming across the middle with his with his head down, looking for a, a pass and getting, you know, clipped in a vulnerable position. So um, players probably don't like to hear from him and saying, well, how would you know if that was this or that when you actually never did it? So there might be Craig to to a degree. I think in the end they're still they're still upset that they're suspended or fine, regardless who's telling them. But I think they might have a little bit. More understanding when it's a player doing it because the player has already been been through all this stuff.
0: Uh, Ray, taking it outside of player safety for a second, but you know, in light of, of Vegas playing their home opener last night, you were the second player ever drafted by the Sharks. What's it like to get in on the uh, the ground floor and be a part of an expansion franchise from the very beginning as a player?
1: Well, it's exciting, first of all, because you're, you're everything. Every aspect of the game is new um, to the people that you're performing in front of, and. Uh, the excitement is uh, is there and it's not just a temporary excitement it's going to be there for a few years um, when I was with Valley, unfortunately we didn't have the crop of people to select from that Vegas did um, so our our first couple seasons were really really tough uh, in terms of losses and, uh, and, and success on the ice but um, the excitement of every day going there and every time you come out of the building every time you're around town there's a legitimate excitement that you're you're there playing hockey and it's uh, it's a lot of fun and I thought yesterday uh, it reminded me of 20 of some years ago with with that but obviously on the back end of a real tragedy and I thought the Vegas uh, organization did a great job of, uh, of handling that
2: did, did you watch the game last night right
1: I did yeah I did um, I, my son had practice and I I, I missed uh, a little bit of the first I went back and uh, I had it recorded I went back and watched it and um, I thought they did just a great job. Yeah, that, that pregame ceremony was
2: powerful. Uh, jumping back into player safety for a minute, I, want, I think you touched on this a little bit already in that players know that you know, the, sometimes it, it's the, the victim that puts himself in a vulnerable position. But what do players see in these instances where suspensions are possible that maybe the average fan or media do not see? And then conversely, what do we see on the outside that maybe you guys don't view because you're too close to the game?
1: Well, I think media generally, whenever there's a big bang or there's a body flying hard or something, it's people usually go right to the worst. It should be a suspension, or that guy should. There's no room for that guy in the league. Kick him out. And as players, um, who all of us have been hit hard, you know, including ninety nine. I saw, I saw ninety nine get hit hard once. Um, so we've all been, you know, on the receiving end of something bad at some point. And so I think we're a little bit. You know, a little bit more reluctant to just say uh, or jump at some guy for for what he his actions on the ice. Uh, we're a little bit calmer and say, hey, let's look at the look at the replays, look at the video. Uh, all right, what, what's the guy's thought process? But more importantly, what's the guy with the puck? What's his thought process as well? And that's where uh, education in the league has to be—not just the guy laying the hits, but the guys taking them as well. And um, you know, first of all, be expecting to be hit don't be turning into checks. Um, you know, if you're going to get hit, turning into it's kind of like it's a 50-50 whether you're going to get um, seriously injured or not. Um, you know, it's just, whenever you turn your back on somebody coming at you, you're likely going to going to feel it. So, we see that, and I'm not sure all the media see it, some educated media sees it, but I think um, a lot of times it's, it's who's hitting right away, it goes to, well, there's no room for that. I mean, when Rafi Torres, not every hit Rafi Torres did was a penalty, but every time he hit somebody hard, people thought it should have been a suspension automatically. <laughs> there were plenty that were, but every time he hit somebody, they thought it should have a suspension. So that's where, as players, we kind of take a step back and um, and and reevaluate what really just happened.
2: Ray, anything jump out at you from the first week of the NHL season? Anything of interest?
1: Yeah, uh, goal scoring. Uh, yeah. Goal scoring has been. I mean, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. You look at many goals they scored in the first three games, and um you know I'm gonna look at the hat tricks think we had four hat tricks opening night kind of thing and um you know Ovechkin coming off a, a down year for him which is scary to say that 30 goals or 30 some goals is a down year but you know him coming out with seven right away and um just the goal scoring is is, is what the league and the fans it's what everybody wants it's more exciting to watch goals than it is to watch uh, you know a one-nothing game and uh I've been very impressed with the, the pace of the play, for one, but just the creativity and the and the scoring chances. Um, you know, even Vegas scored five last night and we're up right away. So it's been exciting to watch from that aspect. Now, in saying that, coaches are too good in this league now. They'll clip all that. You're going to see goal scoring kind of get <laughs> our teams settle down a little bit in their defensive game going forward, I'm sure.
2: Last question before we let you go, Ray. What does this job look like on a daily basis for you? How, how much are you going to be on the road versus – you know, back to your home in Arizona.
1: Well, i be, I can do most of it from, uh, from wherever I am, Craig. And, uh, what happens is I get videos sent to me and we look over the videos and, uh, it can be done from anywhere. Um, but I still got to go to New York, um, a few times a year, um, uh, you know, be seen, get in the war room there with the, with the guys and, and, and get your nose dirty a little bit. Um, but the travel right now for me, uh, George has to travel a little bit more to, um, you know, make sure you face to face with all the general managers. Kind of just be, be seen. But my my travel isn't as much as it was with scouting. But uh, I have to be on basically uh, on call at all times on a daily basis.
2: But still, plenty of time for mountain biking and golf, right?
1: <laughs> well, you know what it is with three kids, and it's more it's more about soccer and kids hockey right now than okay. it is that stuff. But <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, for sure, I can I can do it mobily, uh which is another. Uh, a you know, really good appealing part of the job for me with uh, kids at, at my kid's age right
2: now all right with ray whitney thanks for joining us on the podcast they really appreciate your insights
1: yeah my pleasure guys thanks for having me
0: thanks ray you know what? <laughs> the one thing he said that really stood out, and maybe this didn't stand out to anybody else, I don't know, but when he was talking about deciding whether players were coming in and being honest or not and, and cutting through the uh, yes. the beans, as he called it.
2: Well, he started to say something else.
0: but <laughs> There might not be a better uh, asset to the Department of Player Safety than having Ray Whitney there <laughs> right. just be like, no, nah, he's lying out. <laughs> Seriously.
2: <laughs> if anybody can judge, right?
0: <laughs> he, he will cut through it instantly. Yeah, I am reminded of... Just how great a quote Ray Whitney's was for years to cover. He was just unbelievable. You know what was funny when he first came to the Coyotes. I remember the narrative on him being he he won't talk to the media. He's he's not he's not into that. Not, I mean, look, maybe people don't know if they don't live in Arizona and, and you know didn't watch him play for the Coyotes. But from the moment he got to Arizona, he was a great quote every time you interviewed him. But he did not talk a lot, and he would he, he didn't would, talk a lot. He would tell you with that grin on his face. Now I hate talking to yeah. you guys. <laughs> but uh but, but he was great and he and he would do the photo bombing constantly i don't yes. know he did that in carolina too or not but yeah. i i know in arizona he did it constantly every interview of another teammate he would just be floating by in the background where's whitney yeah. where's
3: yeah. whitney yes and <laughs> part of the best coyotes first line of mm. the last 10 years with uh, martin hansel and redeem verbata yep
2: yeah career-high in goals that year, 35 goals that year.
3: And
0: See, we've come full circle because when we had Shane Doan on a couple weeks ago, we asked him about Whitney setting him up for that hat trick against the Islanders, and that's exactly (laughs) what happened. Whitney just kept passing to him over and over. That's
2: the classic example of those quotes, too, because after that game, and and it was Ray that gave him the puck anyway, so you know you have to go to the guy that set him up anyway. But you go to Ray after the game, and his quotes are just... That's still my favorite game story that I've ever written because the first thing he says is... (laughs) He's talking about Shane Don't Stick because he had changed the knob. He yeah. like, you mean with that axe handle he's carrying out there? <laughs> and, and then the fact that they had to review that goal, his quote after it I, was something like, yeah, listen, I got on the phone to Toronto. I said, look, this may never happen again, so make sure it counts. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, and I tell you what, a great player too. Three hundred eighty-five mm. goals, six hundred seventy-nine assists. Longevity. Not the biggest player in the world, I know now. If you just started following hockey the last couple of years, there's not as much of an emphasis put on size. That like you see some of the like Mitch Marner and Clayton Keller and Max Domi. There's a lot of Johnny Gaudreau. There's a lot of these great players that are smaller now. But when Ray Whitney was breaking into the league, yeah, he played in both eras. That was an obstacle, yeah. and he overcame it.
2: So. Yeah, and he talked. He's talked so much about how much the rules after the lockout benefited him when they. Stop some of the clutching and grabbing and and they started you know pushing more skill in the game yeah Yeah. and he won a Stanley Cup I probably should have
0: introduced him with that but you know well this is uh it's interesting to me how they pick these players to to be a part of the Department of Player Safety Ray Whitney makes more sense to me than at least on the surface than maybe a guy like Chris Pronger (laughs) but uh
2: (laughs) it was interesting to hear they wanted both perspectives though right
0: yeah yeah,
2: definitely. Even, even though Ray game. was saying, I don't want it to say I didn't say versus George
3: but <laughs> they they play different games. Let's put it that yes. way. Slight. but but I think you like that. I think you want to if you have as many of those ex players in the room as possible. So you know, Ray Whitney's odds are I don't imagine how many uh, boarding penalties Ray Whitney had called on him in his career, but I imagine it wasn't many. And so having somebody that can put that perspective, okay, what are you thinking when you're coming into the boards? What could could he have done something, or was he coming in too fast? And Whitney mm. saying, well. If that were me, I, could have, I would have not turned my back there. I would have spun out the other way, and, and all those different pieces that come together into, into making a decision. I think he has a skill set for this job, and I always told him he'd be a, a great analyst.
2: I, I always thought he could go into media because he has a way of distilling things into, and articulating them really well, and I, I think he'll be able to bring that to this
0: job. I'm trying to compare his uh, penalty minutes career to George Peros. and uh, let's that's, see. Ray, let's so,
3: what season is Whitney's career matching up with? Uh, well, his
0: career high was 46 in 2006-2007, and uh, that was a pretty good year for him with Carolina. But um, 465 career penalty minutes in 1,330 games for Ray Whitney, and for George Perros, my computer just broke. 812 in 356 games. Yeah, ah, okay. So the the ratio <laughs> is a little bit different a little between off. the two. But, yeah, I mean, you guys are right. It's great to have different perspectives like that because Peros knows what it's like to hit somebody and, you know, make a play that's right on the edge, and Ray Whitney knows what it's like to probably try to avoid those hits. So it, it's, it makes sense the way they're attacking it. It just, you know. All right, Craig's giving me that he wants to leave. Wow, sign. So wow. It's just Jeez. Trying to be subtle. Why don't you it. just lean into the mic and say, I want to go All home right, now. right, I'm done. <laughs> All right. Well, Craig Morgan's my done. quota for time <laughs> for, for Jamie Eisner. You haven't been paid under the door yet today. That's true. Uh, it hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, I'm, it's been a bit. And the last time it was, it was my money, and Craig took it. I, took and it. I just assumed. Yeah, you know? well, I don't blame you. I That's assume the way things too. work around here. All right. For Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hat Trick podcast.